I did not know what to say, but Lucy turned the conversation as she said, rising up, Oh, why did you tell us of this? It is my favorite seat, and I cannot leave it, and now I find I must go on sitting over the grave of a suicide. That won't harm you, my pretty, and it may make poor Geordie gladsome to have so trim a lass sitting on his lap. Ah, that won't hurt ye. Why, I've sat here off and on for nigh twenty years past, and it hasn't done me no harm. Don't you fash about them as lies under ye, or that doesn't lie there either. It'll be time for you to be getting scat when you see the tombstones all run away with, and the place as bare as a stubble field. Ah, there's the clock, and I must gang. Like a service to ye, ladies. And off he hobbled. Lucy and I sat a while, and it was all so beautiful before us that we took hands as we sat, and she told me all over again about Arthur and their coming marriage. That made me just a little heart-sick, for I haven't heard from Jonathan for a whole month. THE SAME DAY. I came up here alone, for I am very sad. There was no letter for me. I hope there cannot be anything the matter with Jonathan. The clock has just struck nine. I see the lights scattered all over the town, sometimes in rows where the streets are, and sometimes singly. They run right up the Esk and die away in the curve of the valley. To my left the view is cut off by a black line of roof of the old house next to the abbey. The sheep and lambs are bleating in the fields away behind me, and there is a clatter of donkeys' hooves up the paved road below. The band on the pier is playing a harsh waltz in good time, and farther along the quay there is a Salvation Army meeting in the back street. Neither of the bands hears the other, but up here I hear and see them both. I wonder where Jonathan is, and if he is thinking of me. Oh, I wish he were here.' 